mission is all about setting a North Star, knowing what you're trying to achieve. Chaos is about in a business where you are small and you're competing against the man, if you will, or the woman, you, you need to do things that will get attention and get you noticed. And grit is all about not giving up and knowing what it is you're fighting for and going after it with, you know, it, with an unrelenting force. And those three words have stayed with me. Welcome to The Irresistible Factor, a podcast where I talk to founders and investors and retailers about what it takes to launch successful brands, from developing a compelling proposition and brand identity, to raising capital, to getting distribution, and more. My name is Christy Bridges, and I'm a marketing expert with tons of experience and a true love for all things health and wellness. Welcome to today's episode of The Irresistible Factor. I am very, very happy to be talking with Joey Bergstein, who is the CEO of Sabra, one of my personal favorite brands. And I'd like to think I was a very early adopter of Sabra. I think I started eating at 10 or 12 years ago, some long, long, long time ago. So welcome to the podcast, Joey. I'm thrilled to have you on. Oh, thanks, Christy. So nice to be with you. And and so thrilled to hear that you're a longtime eater of Sabra. That's fabulous. The pine nut one is still my favorite, but mm. I try them all. Every time something new comes out, I try them. Um, and I love them all. Yeah. So I'd love to hear a little bit about, before we get into Sabra, just your journey and how you wound up there and what led you to this particular brand at this time. Yeah, I think I joined Sabra in August after spending the last 10 years at Seventh Generation, which was an amazing experience. Sabra for me was a real opportunity to do a couple of things, to bring my work life and passion for sustainability and for doing good in the world together with a food that has been a big part of my life and my family's life for such a long time as well. And Sabra really excited me because I see it sitting at the intersection of a couple of important trends and movements in the world. So there's a health crisis in our country that we absolutely need to address as a global community that we need to address. And Sop is this amazing food that has been around for, well, hummus has been around for centuries. Mm-hmm. Um, Sop is a great brand that's been around for over 30 years at this point in time in, in wow, some way, shape, or form. Right? Yeah. I don't know how long. And in many ways, it's like the original plant-based food. We talk a lot today about plant-based foods. And normally it's about a meat substitute or an animal protein substitute. But in this case, it's just a very simple and delicious recipe that is made from plants and the power to be able to have a a food that is a great snack that's filling that's good for you that's better than the alternative ultra processed foods that people may otherwise choose it's a great offering and when you look at the ingredients of sabra one of the things that's really inspired me is chickpeas are actually a super food in that they actually put nutrients back into the soil that helps the crops that come after grow better, stronger, you know, with more nutrient density than before. So I looked at Sabra and I thought, wow, what an amazing business with the opportunity to really address some of the big crises that are in front of us. And the opportunity to lead a business like this for me was a real honor and an exciting opportunity. That's awesome. You know, it's so funny that you said, I mean, it's interesting more than funny that you said the original plant-based food, because I don't think people talk about hummus that way. I think they think of it as something else. But now that we're, I mean, so many interviews that I've done have been with people who are creating meat alternatives, but you don't think about hummus as that. And it really is. It is like you said, the original plant-based. And I think 
That's an interesting thought from a marketing perspective, because that's not really what's happening right now. And you also mentioned that it's different than, I mean, some of the plant-based alternatives are highly processed and this isn't. So that's kind of interesting. And I don't think that people are framing it that way for some reason. So no, it's, it, it's funny because it's plant-based in the original sense that it's legumes and vegetables and yeah. seeds put together, oils that are put together in a delicious recipe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, it's processed food, but it's not with the same kind of science that goes into exactly. some of the meat alternatives that are out there. So as a reference point, it's kind of an interesting reference point, but ultimately it's just a simple, great tasting, good for you recipe that people seem to love. And so yeah. if we can get more people to love it more often, that'll be a great thing. Yes. Yes. And I think you can. I remember when people first started eating hummus, it was such a fringe health food, health crazed person kind of thing that you would get at a restaurant on a wrap with sprouts. And, you know, Mm. it it wasn't that now it's just so ubiquitous. I feel like it's everywhere. Yeah. So talk about, I feel like Sabra was one of the first brands that really brought it to the masses. So can you talk a little bit about that and what challenges that leaves you with now as a leader, you know, a category leader, like where do you go from here? What are the challenges yeah. you're faced with? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It was, you know, again, the brand Sabra was created using a centuries old recipe or variations on centuries old recipes. And Rabbi Yehuda, who was the you know, early co-founder of Sabra, really was determined to introduce people to this delicious food. And as many people as he could get to try it, he would try to get to try it. And as they grew the business and introduced it to more places around the country, the business grew really well. And then I I think fast forward to where we are today, there's an opportunity to get not just more people eating hummus, because as I said, it's a great for you food, but to also get people to introduce it into a more regular part of their diet. And one of the things that's always struck me is that 85% of the people who eat hummus only buy it two and a half times a year. And is that right? Yeah. And so for people who love it and eat it all the time, they have the same reaction that you just had, which is that can't be true. It's like, well, that yes, it can true. be true. It is actually <laughs> mathematically, it's correct. Um, and because a lot of people see it as a party time dip, something that they'll serve yeah. at the Super Bowl and one other occasion. It's something uh-huh. that people can agree on. And it's part of an entertaining ritual, I guess. And the biggest opportunity is to make it a permanent resident in people's fridge, Mm -hmm. get people to really discover how wonderful it is as an afternoon snack, a healthy snack in the afternoon or in the early evenings or to include it as a meal. Hummus is eaten around the clock in many different cultures, particularly in the Middle East, as part of the center of the plate. We tend to eat it as as an accompaniment. Yeah, which is perfectly fine. But there's just so many different parts of the day that it can play a role in. Yeah, I think there's a really big opportunity to get more people to discover the role that it can play in their lives at different points during the day. And so so I think that's super exciting for us. That is exciting. And I'm curious to know how you're going about doing that. Are there interesting things that you guys are doing? Is it an innovation story? Is it a just trying to get, you know, is it a day part story? Yeah, I think it's really a combination of everything, really. It's ensuring that we're creating recipes people love. So when they try it, it's something that they want to eat and and enjoy at different moments in the day and more frequently than they may otherwise have. So that's about ensuring we've got a wonderful product that we're introducing flavors that they love and can just, you know, we'll discover and, and use at other times. It's about the marketing programming and really trying to win a space on the weekly shopping list. 
mm-hmm. um, which we think will make a big difference and become just part of their regular eating repertoire. And it's about keeping the brand highly visible, making sure that yeah. people see it and discover it as they're doing their weekly shop, be it online or be it in the store. What are the challenges that you guys are sort of dealing with on that front when you think about how to do that? Because I mean, I feel like even if people are, I mean, I'm so shocked at what you said about two times a month. Do you say two times a month or a week? No, two and a half times a year. That's insane to me because I literally, <laughs> every, well, sometimes um, my daughter was staying with me during COVID and I would say, do you want me to get you some lunch? And she was like, I'm eating lunch. And she would have a tub of sabra hummus and a bunch of vegetables. And that was what she ate every single day. Mm-hmm. So I'm shocked at that number. But beyond that, so what do you do to, let's not even close to a daily routine, right? That's so far away from daily routine. Right. I think that's all about getting different people to try it at different occasions and really giving them the inspiration and the incentive to try it, not just when they're entertaining people, but to try it in that occasion that your daughter has discovered and that you've discovered and I've discovered. Are you seeing some growth based on just the plant-based talk that's happening or the increase in the number of people who want to do plant-based more often, never mind the vegans and the vegetarians because they've been around for a long time. But yeah, I think that it's hard to say what drives what, but for sure there is a lot of interest in healthier, better for you food. Yeah. Um, Ultimately though, I think that people understand that this is a good alternative to a healthy alternative to other foods the opportunity for us is actually to get them to realize how wonderful it tastes and mm-hmm. yeah. um, that it's about the wonderful taste and flavors and discovery that will make them want to eat it more frequently, more than just the fact that it's uh, you know great plant-based food. I think that's really interesting because I, when I first started eating it, I thought about it as an alternative to unhealthy dips, right? So you're at a party and you have onion dip or something sour cream based, and Mm. it's really, really bad for you. And so you switch to hummus maybe on that front, but I think that the reframing of it as an alternative to maybe other meals, veggie burgers, beyond all the beyond stuff like that, it could be really interesting for the brand. And is that where you guys are sort of headed? Yeah, we're just thinking, as I said, about how do you make it a a great alternative, not necessarily to even replace a meal, but more and more people are eating throughout the day, are eating snacks in the afternoon, and they want something more substantial for a burst of energy and, and really just trying to make this something that fits into other parts of the day for them. Yeah. I mean, it's a great low carb alternative, obviously, to things like the unhealthy things. But I think it's interesting because if you eat it with vegetables, obviously great. And then a lot of people eat hummus with bread and pretzels and all the little things that you can buy at the airport, which is also fantastic. Has the airport effort done the small size that you can get when you're traveling? Has that helped introduce more people to the brand? For sure. I mean, lots of people talk to us about how much they love being able to discover Sabra in those on-the-go occasions where it fits exactly the kind of occasion we were just talking about. So it's a great way to introduce the brand to to more and more people. Is it different? Of course, the answer is going to be yes, but is it different and in what way than what you were doing at seventh generation? Because you went from something that was still a really great product that was very environmentally conscious and everything, but Mm. household product, totally different than CPG food. So how has that been for you? It's been a ton of fun. I mean, yeah. I yeah, I, I love food. I really enjoyed my time at Seventh Generation from you know, from the moment I started to the moment I left, really proud of the team there and all of the work that we did together. And Sabra is quite different 
in that it is a different, it's a totally different business and the food business is quite different than the cleaning business, I guess, yeah. you know, thankfully, <laughs> who wants to eat cleaning chemicals, but it's a very different business with a whole bunch of different nuances. I think the fundamentals of business are all pretty consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, and the kinds of levers that you think about, particularly from a marketing or a sales standpoint, are, are pretty similar. And you can find ways to learn from one business and bring it into the other. And there's certainly things I learned from my time at 7Gen that I can apply with the team at Sabra. And if I could go backwards, there's things I've learned at Sabra that I think <laughs> yeah. would, would be you know well appreciated at 7th Generation. But yeah. the fundamentals of business are pretty consistent the thing that we're making and serving to the world is quite different. And one of the things I was really, I am excited about as I came to Sabra, we've done a lot of work on defining the company purpose, which was something that seventh generation was born with a very strong Mm -hmm. uh, purpose and mission in mind, which evolved and evolved over time. Sabra also was born with a strong purpose in mind, which we've evolved as well. And it's exciting for me to be part of of shaping how that evolution will come to life, how we strengthen the values in the the company so that we all know what we want to achieve, what our North Star is, but also how we want to work together to be able to achieve that North Star. So we've crafted our purpose statement as uniting and delighting the world around planet positive food, which... I love that. Oh, Frankly, okay. I find super inspiring. And Me too. When you, when you break it down, what's really interesting is hummus is a food that's been around, as I said, for centuries. It's eaten across many cultures who are often in conflict. And often this may be one of the only things that they can agree on is that this is a great food that they can enjoy throughout the whole day. And yeah. so, and when you think about how hummus is normally eaten, it is the kind of food that you eat in groups, you bring people together around, and it has this incredible power to bring people together. So we want to make sure that that's at the center of what we're doing. Of course, we want to delight people. And then the other element around planet positive food is as we think about planet positive is really about people and planet. And so it's about nurturing the body with you know great, better for you food. And we want to continue to ensure that it's better and better and better. It's about nurturing souls, which is all about the company and how we create the kind of environment that people want to be a part of, regardless of the inclusive culture where people can thrive, regardless of race and religion and gender and sexual orientation. And then the third piece is really about how do we nourish the ecosystems that we're part of and move to a zero waste business, a zero carbon footprint business, and really bring to life regenerative agriculture, as I was talking about earlier, and uh, having a really positive impact in the world. So I put that all together and you know, you, you've got a very clear North Star about what it is we're trying to create, which I think is an exciting vision to go after. And so for me, one of the biggest similarities is it's a completely different mission than mm-hmm. what we were trying to do at seventh generation. But the connections between the two are, there's obviously some connections in terms of the good we're trying to do in the world. Yeah. But mostly the fact that we have a clarity of purpose is a real point of commonality between those two businesses. So this purpose that you just talked about, is that new to Sabra or is that just a, a sort of iteration of what it was before you got there? It would be, I, I think that the tenants have been around since the founding. I don't think it's ever been articulated quite that way. Yep. And really what I was trying to do with the team is really get under the skin of what's the change that we want to create in the world. What's the impact that we want to have and how do we articulate that in a way where we can all see it and understand it and be inspired by it. And so I think that the elements around 
plan a positive and how that's being constructed is something that is newer to the team. And mm-hmm. but again, I think it's about articulating an intention that's already existed, but maybe not as clearly as it is currently. So I'm curious about a couple of things. I'm going to come back to the mission in a second because I really want to talk about it. But I'm curious to know if you've seen how it affect your internal team having something so clearly articulated and so inspiring. Has it changed the way that you think that your team's interacting with each other, with the brand, with the outside world? You know, I think that it's early because it took us a few months to bring it together. We're now bringing it to life. We've been doing some workshops with people around the business, really talking about purpose, the company purpose, as well as the people's individual purpose, because we really want people to connect with that purpose in a way that is meaningful for them. And we had this really interesting conversation where we were talking about what in the purpose resonates. Mm-hmm. And many people were grabbing onto a statement and everybody was actually grabbing onto it, at least like an individual element of the purpose that was, that really resonated for them. For a lot of people, it was about uniting people. And for others, it was about the plan of positive impact. And for others, it was within plan of positive. I'm really excited about regenerative agriculture or whatever, whatever it may be. And, you know, and on the one hand you say, well, do I want everybody to get the totality and connect to the totality of the vision? Or is it okay for them to connect to a piece of it? And, you know, I'm just thrilled that people can connect to any part of that. Because I think if you can say, yeah, that really resonates with what I want to achieve in my life, then that's a really powerful thing. And so we're very early days. Um, You know, it hasn't transformed our business yet, but, you know, it really does help in terms of choosing what are the things that we will do? What are the things that we won't do? And being able to inspire people and give them something that we're fighting for together that's above and beyond just growing a business, which... Yeah, is very commercial in nature. That's really but, cool. You, you know, it, the other thing I was going to say that was, you know, I found interesting as we've been talking to different people about it, somebody likened the purpose statement to the title to a movie. And yeah. so, you know, if you think about the title to a movie, what's your favorite movie, Krista? Oh, gosh, such a hard question. I'm going to say one because I just was thinking about it today, which is almost famous, but I'm okay. Perfect. Okay. So if you hadn't seen the movie, what does Almost Famous tell you about the movie? You know, someone's driving for something, right? To yeah. Get somewhere. Yeah. Okay. So maybe there's a bit of meaning there. But yeah. when you think about the movie, you think about the scenes that come, you know, that bring it all to life, right? right. And yep. the stories that make the title resonant, if you will. You know, my yep. favorite movie is Pulp Fiction. I mean, Pulp Fiction oh, says well, nothing about it says nothing. nothing about what's inside the movie, right? But nothing. you know, we all have these iconic scenes in our minds that yes. really speak to that's the the yeah. stories that make it up. Yeah. And in many ways, purpose is kind of like that. I mean, obviously, you want to you want a purpose statement that has meaning to it, <laughs> otherwise yeah. it's kind of useless. But most importantly, you want to fill it up with with meaning and, and everybody brings their own meanings to it. And I think that that that'll be a really powerful thing. I love that. And, you know, I a million percent believe this. And I think this is so true. And I'm so happy you're talking about it because I think for people who are in the early stages of brands, I think this is such an important thing to hear. That purpose will drive your business eventually. It has to start inside. And then it absolutely will drive your business. It's just been proven time and time again. And so that's really cool. I wanted to ask you, I mean, one of the things I love about what you said, it's obviously the word positive is in there, so I don't want to use it, but there's something so inspired about the whole thing and fun, like united and delighted and planet positive. All of those things give you such great associations and not just super serious ones. Also, this is going to make me happy. 
This is going to be good for people and me. And if there's something really, I don't want to say light because it's not, it's a serious purpose, but there's something about it that doesn't feel so heavy. Yeah. I love and it's food, right? It's food. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And you can't take yourself too seriously. No. Right. But 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 you do need to know what are you trying to, what are you, what's the impact you're trying to have. And so getting that balance right is always a difficult thing. I'm curious about who and what inspires you, because you're obviously in a role where you are, your part of your job is inspiring your team and making sure that everyone stays energetic and motivated. Mm. And I know that's hard. And I think the bigger the company you're at, the harder the the job is and sometimes lonely. So what do you do to get inspired and stay positive? I think, first of all, I'm really inspired by the people I work with. And I'm inspired by lots of things. I'm inspired by my family. I'm inspired by you know, some amazing things that happen in the world around us. Some of you know, some of it's horrible, and some of it's amazing, and some of it's amazing in the side of the horrible, right? Uh, I totally couldn't but, agree more. Yep. But I would say, on a day to day basis, I'm really inspired by the amazing things that people inside our company are doing, and that's what gets me up and gets me excited every day about the work that we're doing. Be it we have a, a team of people who've just opened up a new customer. And, you know, after years of not being able to win that customer, I mean, that's just amazing. The determination that people show, the grit that people show to really address some of the tough challenges that are in front of us. I mean, all of those things, I look at that and I just say, well, you know, wow. And if I can just lift that up for other people to see, then, you know, that's just amazing. When I, yeah, I see some of the work that our e-commerce team has been doing was just recognized as being really kind of top of the industry. And that I just find that so inspiring. So we were talking about that on a town hall that we had yesterday. And it was a kind of a small town hall, but just sharing that with a, a group of our leaders and talking about, you know, look, when we put our attention against something, we can make really cool things happen. Mm-hmm. And so most of all, I'm inspired by the people that I work with. That's nice. I'm sure they would be very, very happy to hear that. Did you have a mentor? Did you have someone who you learned from along the way? Or did you, were you sort of self-taught. I mean, you were a seventh generation was a big deal and it, it was very interesting and sort of a, an innovator in the, in that space. Did you have someone who you sort of followed? You know, I would say I learn, I'm super curious. And so I feel like I learn from everybody and I, I learn all the time. And I feel like I'm always trying to connect the dots between things that you're saying and things that are going on in our business that get me thinking in a different kind of way. And I feel like I've been fortunate throughout my whole career that I've always worked with some really amazing people who have really great ideas that I've been able to learn something and reapply it in my own ways. And, you know, whether it was working on always as my first assignment at P&G or working on Sunny Delight in Europe, where I was probably not making the world a better place, but you know, that's a different, that's a different thing. <laughs> it was uh, also a different world, right? But yeah. And, and but the leaders that I worked with in that business were brilliant people who, mm-hmm. you know, I have learned so much from and have been able to put that, you know, that learning to use in other places. And then seventh generation was amazing. I mean, I, I remember I always used to talk to anybody. I would do a, a new higher orientation at seventh generation for everybody who joined the company. And one of the first things I did when I started working at Seven Generations, I spent time with the co-founders who neither of which were with the business when I joined to really understand from them what made Seven Generations so special and distilled it down to three things. One was mission, chaos, and grit. So those are the three things. And so mission is all about setting a North Star, knowing what you're trying to achieve. Chaos is about in a business where you are small and you're competing against the man, 
if you will, or the woman, you you need to do things that will get attention and get you noticed. And grit is all about not giving up and knowing what it is you're fighting for and going after it with you know it, with an unrelenting force. And those three words have stayed with me. You know, certainly the ten years that I was at Seventh Generation, they stay with me every single day. And you know, John Replogle, who who came in as the CEO, Seventh Generation before me. You know, I learned tons from him. So as I said, I feel like I've, I've been really fortunate in many parts of my career, learning from you know, amazing leaders in different places and doing lots of doc connecting. I love the chaos part of what you said. I mean, Mission and Grid, I hear it all the time and I love it too, but chaos is the part that people get scared by. Mm. When people say that word, they're like, I do not want chaos. Yeah. It's really interesting that you put a positive spin on it and talk about how it actually can propel. Oh, for sure. I mean, you actually, without it, you don't change anything. That's right. Um, you know, it's if you don't do things that are going to be noticed or talked about, then you won't be noticed or talked about. Yeah, yeah. When you think about competitors, do you guys pay attention to everybody, like the guys who are big and then the up-and-comers? Absol- there are a lot of them. Absolutely. And I would say that I learned from and are inspired by competitors as well. It's a it's a really exciting time in business overall, and lots of companies doing really innovative things in different places. We learn from everybody all the time. And yeah, it's exciting to see people innovating in new and different ways. And without that, you don't innovate yourself, mm-hmm. right? So it's an important way to stay in front. What's your dream for the brand? You know, I would love to create a global billion, multi-billion dollar, multi-category fresh food company. And right now we, that is having a positive impact in the world. And that is really helping the industry see that there's, you know, positive ways to grow a business, to have a healthy business that is mindful of all the stakeholders that are part of a business. And to take this great brand, which has come a long way and, put it onto a, a growth path that just gives it a much bigger footprint than it currently has today. Does that mean you have to go beyond hummus? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. I want, I mean, you're, you've been so generous with your time. I want to ask you if you have any advice for people who are either starting or early stage or struggling because it's a, it is an exciting time to be in the health and wellness space and to be making better for you foods and talking about it, but it's also wildly competitive Mm. Um, and there are so many challenges from a, right, just from a distribution standpoint, because of how tough it is to get into grocery and all the challenges that happen, you know, with Amazon and direct to consumer stuff. So do you have any, any lessons you've learned or advice you'd love to share? You know, well, I'll go back to mission chaos and grit. I think, I think those <laughs> yeah. are the most important things is just know what's the change you're trying to create in the world and make sure the things you're working on are meaningful and are going to make a difference. And you need to be clever and smart about how you go about getting attention in a world where there is so much going on so much. that if you're not doing something fundamentally different, then you're just not going to earn the attention that you need to be successful. And then with grit, it's, it's about knowing what you're trying to achieve and not giving up when it doesn't work out the first time, because really does it work out the first time? Yeah. And or the second, third, fourth. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So, but <laughs> yeah. if you really believe in what you've got, you've got to stick with it, go after it and really nurture and build it and get others to see the value that you see. Yeah. It's tough out there, but I think that's right. I mean, I think the people who are successful just keep going at it. 
because there's something in you. I mean, it's hard work. It's hard, hard work, obviously. Otherwise everyone would be wildly successful, but I do think it's important. And I love that it's shifting to not only better for you, because you did talk about the health crisis in this country, which is tremendous and very sad. And then the climate crisis. And so I do think that a lot of brands are really thinking about that now. And a lot of consumers are tapped in and they weren't five years ago, for Mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. So that's nice to see. I think more and more people are really, what they understand, more and more people understand the crises that are around us and more and more people want to get behind the companies that are trying to do something about it. Yes. And so my biggest aspiration is that we're able to have a positive impact and not just sell more food to more people, but to do it in a way that, has a positive impact on people and planet. Awesome. Amazing. Well, I really thank you for your time. This is a great interview and I think it's going to inspire a lot of people. And that's the whole point. Inspire great. people to do better. Well, yeah. it was a pleasure to speak with you, Christy. Thanks thank for you. having me. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for listening to the Irresistible Factor. I'm Christy Bridges and I can't wait to see you next Wednesday. Wednesday.